Welcome one and all to the Film Harmonic with your hosts Noah East and Andy Ferguson. We are so very glad you decided to join us as we discuss and dissect films both current and bygone. You can find the Film Harmonic podcast on Apple Podcasts where we encourage you to leave us a review and a pleasant rating and on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, and Buzzsprout. You can send review requests for the throwback challenge to thefilmharmonic at gmail.com. It is episode 14 and we have a crisis on our hands. I had no intention of seeing Hobbs and Shaw, well, Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw (laughs) in theater or otherwise, so Noah took one for the team, which means I will have five good questions for him about it, and he will do the same for me and A24's summer hit, The Farewell. Then, since the end of the summer is wedding season, our pick six this week will be the six best wedding films of all time. Leading us into the throwback challenge to close out the show, in which I gave Andy the Australian wedding comedy Muriel's Wedding, which gave Tony Collette her first breakout role, and Andy popped my Ingmar Bergman cherry with cries and whispers. So, without any further ado, let's get started. <laughs> Well, the Fast and the Furious engine just keeps on running, and their newest installment appears to be an attempt at a spin-off franchise with legs. Andy now has five good questions for me about Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Get your list in front of you. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm looking at All it right. right now. Let's just dig right in. Hit Let's me go. With, with, with hard-hitting questions here, Tom Brokaw. Uh, so, hard-hitting, number one. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel uh, kind of out of the loop watching this movie, having not seen really any anything, right? Yeah, I, How I, much have you seen of the I Fast and the Furious movie? I saw the movies? first Fast and the Furious movie How long a ago? long time ago. Okay. To okay. where I barely remember it. So, I guess that's the first question is... Uh, are you were you confused? Did they try to tie in any any kind of things that you were like, uh, oh no, I don't know anything about that? Yeah, there's they, they definitely allude to previous stuff and mm-hmm. and relationships and things like that. That um, and you can tell that they're that they're doing it with with a little nudge, you know. But, but when they do that, are they giving you any backstory? No, no, they expect okay. you to know. So okay. I I could tell that they were alluding to something that I had. I had no previous knowledge of. I'm anything. guessing it doesn't really matter. And it did not matter. No, <laughs> okay. It didn't. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. I guess my next question is, for the love of God, why is this movie 136 minutes long, and does it justify being that long? Why is it uh, uh, <laughs> two hours and 15 plus minutes? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, do you realize it while it's happening? It definitely feels like it, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Is there a reason? I, does it justify it? I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't. I don't think most, if not any, action films need to be that. Long. I agree. I agree. There's just so much exposition mm-hmm. that's that you could have cut away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, no, I don't think there's any reason for it to be that. Long. So it's not really. I mean, is it paced okay? Like, I think the reason that are the, you looking the, at your watch? During the it the ultimate reason that I think that it's that long is for fan service. You know, people that are giant fans of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, can't get enough of the franchise. Obviously. And so they 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 don't mind it being that long because, you know, there's a lot to look at. So what's the overall premise then? I, I need to know because I don't know really. I assume these are some of these characters are from the previous installments and they're incorporating them into their own, like, direction in the so universe. So the, the premise is, you know, there's a big new bad 
who's, you know, there's a virus that's been unleashed um, into the world and they have to stop it before it gets into the wrong hands. Um, mm. And so The Rock is apparently reprising his role in, in um, previous films. Uh, I think he franchise. showed up in Fast Five or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and same yeah. with Statham. He was, you know, yeah. he got introduced somewhere along those lines as well. Um, they hate each other. They don't get along. Oh, okay. And they're forced to team up. And they don't, they don't do a good job of that. Um, and to say that they are reluctant to team up is an understatement. They refuse to work together for the bulk of the film mm. until they realize near the end that the only way to, to win is to, is to cooperate and work as a team. Gotcha. So gotcha. That's, that's the crux of the film is that they each want to do it their own way and they have drastically different styles of doing things. And so, you know, these kind of movies kind of, you know what you're getting from from the protagonist like this, but mm-hmm. what is it like? So I'm assuming someone like Idris Elba is the villain. So he is the villain. Okay. Most definitely is the villain. Oh, okay. You perked up a little bit when I mentioned his name. Does that mean that he's a good aspect of this movie? He's the best part of the film. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Idris Elba is a really good actor. Well, of course he is. And yeah. you can actually tell that he's having fun and playing this character. How could you not? He's, I mean, um, he's, he's getting paid handsomely to just dick around and show off your strengths. Yeah, yeah. Literal strengths in all aspects. <laughs> he, you know, and he doesn't have to fake an American accent. He gets to do his own mm-hmm. accent. And he's having a lot of fun just, you know, punching people extremely hard and <laughs> lifting cars and stuff, you know. Okay. He's, his character is genetically enhanced oh. through this, like, uh, um, super uh, wealthy company um, hmm. that is trying to um, make a new race of superhumans and weed out um, the undesirables. And so he, he is a lot of fun in the movie. He, his villain is great. He's menacing. They keep defying the odds and escaping from him. And he gets really frustrated at the end of all of those big scenes mm-hmm, when they escape. Mm-hmm. And in, in these like ways that you're just like, no, there's no way they could have escaped that. Come on. Well, you know what? Like, it's late summer action. I'll give it that. Yeah, but Elba is the best part of the film. He's he's a lot of fun to watch, and he's having a lot of fun. All right, so I guess the next question is a two-parter kind of. Does it deliver on an August movie, action movie, the goods for action? And I got to ask with that, is there a, a lot of CGI, a lot of noticeably bad CGI, or is it good effects? It's a lot of noticeably bad CGI. Really? It's, okay. It's... Because the budget's so big on this movie. It's giant, yeah. And some of it looks good-ish, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you can tell they spent a lot of money on it. Um, it's just the action is so goofy and overblown. My, my ultimate takeaway is that the movie, it, it does this strange thing where it straddles the line simultaneously of being a lot of fun and being really stupid. Mm-hmm. And there's times when you when you notice it being a lot of fun, but in the back of your head you're saying yeah, this is fun, but it's really dumb, like distractingly dumb mm-hmm. to where that's still in the forefront of your brain while you're enjoying some of the fun. To the you're point like, you where can't you really... help yourself that the premise is really stupid yeah. and what's being executed as as fun and action-y as it is is so dumb that there's so much uh, disbelief that you have to suspend yeah. that like it really... It really wears on your brain after a while. It sounds like, you know, I've, I've suspended pl- plenty of disbelief with the action movies. 
but I have to do that only because I really believe in like the lead care lead actors. Mm-hmm. This is not the kind of movie I don't think I would go into and be willing to do that. Do you think I could sit there and enjoy this movie? I don't think so, especially at the yeah. runtime. The Rock is bad actor. He's he's a bad actor. Yeah, I and mean, you want to like him. Everyone wants to oh, like he's him. He's a really charismatic guy. I like him as a guy. He's not mm-hmm. a good actor. Mm-hmm. And Statham isn't is a decent actor, but he's not good at the comedy. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen reviews of this movie saying like the thing that holds it together is that they have great chemistry. Their chemistry is terrible. Most people think The Rock is a very good actor. No, he's not. Which is fascinating to me. Well, and and I guess I just have to painfully disagree. But and that's the thing is their chemistry is not very good. It's Mm. bad. And like when they're joking and doing the comedy stuff, it's so wooden and and hackneyed. It's 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 not funny. The film is not funny. Really? Um, yeah, it's not. And it sounds to me like they're trying to inject a lot of humor in. They really it. are. They try really hard, but mm. it's it's painful actually. The comedy bits are really painful. So, I've been reading a lot about some of the movie, and, and Vanessa Kirby's name gets brought up a lot. She's a lot of fun. People are saying she's very good in it. She's she's good. Um, she's solid at the emotional stuff. She's really good at the action stuff. What is her role in it? Is she, is she a she's, part of the crew? She's Jason Statham's sister who worked for like special forces. I see. Okay. And so she steals the virus away from Aegis Elba's character and gets away and she's on the lam mm-hmm. and they have to bring her in and protect her. That's the whole thing. Okay. And so Statham being her brother is very protective and the rock is just, you know, trying to do his job, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, yeah, she's solid in it. She's she hits most of the emotional stuff and the dramatic beats fairly well, and she's good at the action stuff, and she's easy on the eyes, and you know she's not bad in it at all. She's not she's not the problem. Vanessa Kirby is not the problem. Oh. She's not the savior of the film either, but she's not the problem. Mm, okay. Um, there's there's some interesting cameos. Um, uh, Rob Delaney is in it. Oh yes, I heard. Um, this. Eddie Marsan, who I like a lot, is in it, and he's a lot of fun in it. Um, Helen Mirren shows up for a scene, and she's good Random. in the scene. She plays Statham's mom. Okay. Um, but then there's some cameos that I'm sure everybody else is geeking over, um, but they're people that I don't that I either don't like that much, like Ryan Reynolds, or outright hate, like Kevin Hart. Of course, um, Kevin Hart shows up. And those guys have much bigger roles than oh, say good. Eddie Marzan or Helen Mirren or Rob Delaney. Why is Ryan Reynolds in this? I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking maybe I missed something in one of the Everyone the loves films, so I get it. Yeah. For the box office purposes. It appears that he had a role in one of or more of okay. the previous films, and okay. I just, you know, that's lost on me. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, it's a big, dumb action movie that tilts a little more toward dumb than it does actually do right. decent action. So where are you at on this? I'm at a two, honestly. Okay, like, all right. Um, you got to applaud them for the ambition. And some of the, the some of the action is so over the top in like a true lies kind of way where you're like, it looks dumb and not practical and CGI'd, but at least they're trying some really mm-hmm. inventive stuff that you've never seen before. The All reason right. you've never seen it before is because it's f- impossible. Physics would would dictate that of it's course. impossible. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so like uh, you you roll your eyes at the same time you're smiling. Welcome you know to I mean? August in but, American cinema. It could have been better if, if maybe the chemistry between The Rock and Statham was actually good. And maybe if the action scenes, especially the fight sequences, weren't shot so terribly that like yeah. you can barely tell what's going on. That happens a lot in, in big budget action movies. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, which is why I just got to say a nod to Christopher McQuarrie and what he's been doing exactly. with the Mission Impossible You movies. put this up next to Fallout 
and it's mm-hmm. it's a they're night and day, man. Yeah, it's not a good movie. Well, it's, that was a actually, valiant, it's valiant effort bad. on yeah, your part. I, 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 I sat there. You did it. I sat there without any popcorn either, which Whoa. for me, in a movie like this, you would... Yeah, Two hours and 16 minutes. Of, of popcornless mm. action, action Damn. nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. All right. Pretty crazy. A24 continues its stranglehold on the summer with Lulu Wang's Critical Darling, a family dramedy set in China. Noah has five good questions for me about The Farewell. Fast and Furious presents The Farewell. The Farewell. And now I know this has been out for a hot minute. and uh, Even longer than uh, for other states than it is here. I yeah, mean, true. It's been out for like true. a month now, hasn't it? But um, it's still going strong, though. Yeah, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it on our on our you know uh, what was going to be episode thirteen that got that got you know deslated mm-hmm. and yeah. and then I just never got around to seeing it. So this seemed like a perfect filler for a really uh, uh, droll week at the center. We're searching box. for that in August. Yeah, exactly. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I have five five fairly good questions. Okay. For okay. You. Shoot. Um, you know, curiosity um, has it. To where I, I got to lead with this, plain and simple, two words. How's Aquafina? Um, tremendous, I think. Really, I really do. Now, not, what's... not not tremendous to the point where it's enough of a of, of a big performance or a, a prominent performance to get her enough yeah. notoriety to sure. get any kind of like accolades. Sure. But but what... it's the st- it, it, it's the strong glue of the movie is her performance. What was your um, what was your history with Aquafina before this? Basically zero. I know you know a lot more about her than I do. But you'd seen I her s- in Ocean's Eight. You'd seen her in Ocean's Eight. That's about it. And I know she's seen a her in comedian. Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, true. Yes. And yes, that's and yes. that's it, right? Yeah, but I know she's a she's a comedian, and I, I don't know anything yeah, about a, that aspect of she's her. She's a career rapper though. turned comedian, mm-hmm. and I, I watched an interview where she interviewed Das Racist once. I don't know anything about her career m- yeah. in music at all or comedy, yeah. really. Just the films she's been in recently. But given what you have seen of her, Ocean's Eight and and Crazy Rich Asians, that's that's entirely comedy. So how? So tell me a little bit about her performance in this film. Um, it, it's very subdued. Uh, she she's got. I mean, there's still plenty of humor to the role, uh, but it comes out in a very in very subtle ways because there's an undercurrent throughout the entire movie of Lulu Wang. Lulu Wang's um, setup is almost immediately got this, you know, you're aware of the the whole reason for this movie existing is the the story of uh, of of this woman's uh, Aquafina plays Billy, um, a woman who's living in America and has been living in America for quite some time, so much so that she doesn't even know a lot of Chinese Mm -hmm. um, anymore. And and her entire family is back in China and has been forever. And she learns that her grandmother's dying. And, um, but her grandmother thinks she's in perfect health. Because of a commonly held custom there. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it, it is an, it is a custom there that is, you know, the family can choose if they want to tell, uh, the person, if they are, you know, a, a, of their illness or not, and they decide not to, and it's very hard for them to convince Billy to not outright go immediately console her grandmother because they are so strong. Their bond is so strong. Um, so it's a lot more. I mean, I only know a little bit about Aquafina, but 
This pushes her to expand her uh, palette, if you will. So she is very good in this movie. That's really exciting. That's yeah. really exciting because I like good. her. She's like very her. good in this movie. And she handles um, a role that, quite frankly, is not that easy. Um, but she doesn't do it with any kind of flashiness. It's not like a, hey, this is a star-making role, and I'm going to show you this is a star-making role. No, yeah. she is a part of this film, and she plays it exactly how it should be played. That's interesting because in Crazy Rich, Crazy Rich Asians, she is so over the top mm-hmm. and like and outrageous. You know? mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned Lulu Wang's, and that leads me right into my next question about her. <laughs> is um, is Lulu Wang primed to become maybe you know a, a big breakout star as far as directors go? I hope so because she's the best part of this movie for me. Um, she, uh, you would love to see her usher in uh, opportunities now for um, not only um, more Asian directors, but female Asian directors because because there are prominent Asian filmmakers in the world. Um, Maybe not too well known in America for most, for the most part, but Mm -hmm. this could usher in a new, uh, a new set, if you will. But um, she, uh, man, she's got some imagery created in this movie that she so obviously has had sitting with her for so long. That is pretty impressive. Um, There are moments in this movie that are still in my head. And I have, I saw this movie three weeks ago now. But um, she really creates a nice kind of um, world in this movie. And it's, it's definitely her unique vision. And I, I'm hoping that 10 to 15 years from now, when we're still talking about her making films, that we look back at this and say, well, it makes sense because her debut is that strong. That would be really nice. That would be really nice. Um, so let's talk about the supporting characters. I know... The woman who plays the grandmother has been getting a little bit of notoriety just because um, of how uh, delicate that role is mm-hmm. and, and how natural she seems. Um, talk a little bit about her and then any other supporting characters that really jumped out at you. Any kind of, um, any kind of notoriety that the woman who plays the grandmother is getting is, is earned. She yeah. is very good in this movie. And her chemistry with um, Aquafina is... Really excellent, and it gets better and better as the movie goes along. Um, she is quite good in it. Um, she offers some of the movie's funniest moments when, really? when, when this movie, yes, when this movie gets a little bit, you know, this movie's going to get to a point where it's, you know, kind of it'll it'll overwhelm you a little bit with the emotional parts. But um, the grandmother's very funny at times in this. She's blunt. She's a very blunt character. Um, the other. There's a lot of good characters in this movie that are given plenty of things to work with, but the um, the father of Billy, which is the grandmother's son, um, is quite good in a role that is not so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the, at the surface, it looks like it's just another kind of normal role, but as the film goes along, you realize that not only is he combating some of the things that are going on with... Make, he's trying to be the one that makes sure that no one lets the grandmother know that she's dying, which is the whole, the whole thing about this movie is that Aquafina's character goes back to China because she hears that her grandmother's dying. And the family has chosen not to tell her and to let her live the rest of, their, of her life out without having the stress of knowing that, which is the thing in China, apparently. It's a, and um, the father is kind of the one who's 
the wall between it all, making sure that she doesn't find out. Um, even when Aquafina's character is adamant that she wants to tell her because she's close with her grandmother and wants her to know. Um, but he, he plays this tough role. He's straddling a line where he's also seeing family members, family members for the first time in decades. And he's being confronted with, you know, everyone knows he has a drinking problem. And he, he's uh, reverting back to that. And so he has to deal with all sorts of problems. And he handles the role well. He's an actor who's very noticeable. We've seen him in many other things. Mm-hmm. He, he's the kind of guy who, who made the jump to American cinema as well. But uh, it, the cast is all quite good in this movie. Um, so you know, just judging by the trailer, I, I didn't feel this way, but but you could it, you could make an argument that it does seem like it might be one of those uh, uh, slightly emo- emotionally manipulative Oscar bait kind of movies. Is it that, or does it really earn its reputation as as a uh, grab the Kleenex kind of movie? I I could see where just watching the trailer where you could assume those things. I could. I didn't either, though. Like you said, I didn't think that from watching the trailer. And after seeing the movie, I definitely don't think that. Um, I think this movie earns everything it goes for. And I think it stays very um, about, you know, very um, subtle. The the subtlety of this movie is what I keep going back to. It's not concerned with focusing on the big moment where you you know it's a movie about someone dying you you know where it's going but it doesn't ever like make you believe like oh we're waiting for this moment when then this big payoff where you're gonna have this tear-jerking moment the movie's not focused on that it builds it builds a world of family and characters and it, it, it treats everything delicately and it's not in any way oscar Beatty at all in my opinion interesting well um speaking of oscar uh, my last question is, is because this has been a big critical darling of the summer, maybe the big critical darling of the summer so far, it looks like it is poised to at least um, get a, a once-over, a look at some, some nominations. What do you think that its, it's uh, award chances are, specifically in, say, uh, Best uh, Lead Actress for Aquafina, uh, Best Director for Lulu Wang, mm. Screenplay, maybe even a Best Picture nomination? What, what are its odds? It's funny, right? Because this is the kind of year where it has been an odd year. So this might be a movie that does get a closer look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if it was a stronger year so far... I, I might think differently, but and that's nothing. That's not gonna. That's not a knock against. Yeah, this it's movie, not a but, slight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but the thing is, yeah, I think this is at this moment a lock for a best picture nod because there's going to be eight to ten, you know, and yeah. and I think that the Os- This is the kind of movie that Oscar that Oscars need to kind of look at and say, yeah, we need to kind of um, recognize something like this. Sure. Um, it, it's funny because this movie could also be considered a foreign language nomination as well it could get both there's been movies that have before oh totally you know and i think this movie being 90 minimum 90 percent a chinese film um could be considered a a foreign language film as well that's interesting um i think the only other things right now i could see it as being strongly um considered for is probably screenplay um because there's not and honestly, I can't think of five screenplays right now from this year that... Especially original Original screenplays, screenplays that yeah. are better than yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. and that's always a, a really good category for something like this to sneak into. Yes. Director yes. is much more difficult, that's especially difficult. For, a, for a young 
up and coming director like Lulu Wang. Yeah, and it's not it's not a flashly flashly made film. It's not yeah. a movie where you most people would watch and go, "Wow, that's so well directed." And there are a lot of flashy big name directors coming out with stuff this year that that we just know, talked pre- about one. prestige guys, you know, <laughs> yeah. so so and then um, and then Aquafina might have an outside chance. There's a chance at this point because again, like I can't think of five lead female performances right now that are better that are better um you know i'd have to look at a list but i'm I'm sure there are a couple but right now she's probably in but we'll see we'll see where it goes from here exciting exciting all right well we're gonna take a break but when we come back it's the cultural phenomenon we're so well known for in the public zeitgeist pick six is next so stay tuned back you hopeless romantics our pick six this week is a late summer staple we've all come to love and dread in equal measure both at the cinema and in real life andy and i are going to rank the six best wedding films of all time so starting as always with you andy what do you have at number six bridesmaids what (laughs) right out of the gate just bridesmaids i felt like doing that you know i mean yeah uh, it's a bit of a surprise so often i'm like well, this one, um, I, I thought about leaving it off, but let me try to build this up. No, yeah. I'm just going to go right into it. Bridesmaids is my number six. I, 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 it's hard to leave it off because it's too funny, consistently funny still to this day. I've seen it a few times. Who hasn't seen it a few times, honestly? It's so easily accessible. It seems like it's on anytime you turn on any kind of streaming service. There it is. Oh, Yeah, it's me- always on TNT or yeah, TBS right. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Kristen Wiig's so lovable. Maya Rudolph and her have great chemistry. Um, Paul Feig brings a good energy to the film. Uh, and it's just like, there are things about it I forget that I liked. Like John Hamm's performance. Hard to, hard to dislike. bag. Hard to dislike John Hamm performances. It's true. It's true. But it had enough for me. And with, and with wedding movies being such a thin category of for good, good movies... This snuck in. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of, of comedies dominating this list, especially early on in the list, um, just because that's what wedding films kind of you know, teeter toward. And mm-hmm. so along those lines, number six on my list is Wedding Crashers. 
is. <laughs> Look, it's not a great movie. It's probably not even a good movie. Um, but it is it is consistently funny in certain areas, and the dynamic between Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn is a lot of fun. Their chemistry is is the opposite of The Rock and Jason Statham's. True. Um, they, they work really, really well together. And there's just enough really fun gags throughout the way that it keeps you actively engaged. It's it's funny enough in in a in a genre that is beset with the same old tropes mm. over and over again. At least this one does inject a little bit of originality to it. So I think the reason I could still say I enjoy it is because it depends on how far your mileage goes on Vince Vaughn, and mine goes a long way. It just yeah. does. I, I, I find him very enjoyable, and this is a Vince Vaughn vehicle. It, it is. Owen Wilson kind of takes a little bit of a step in the backseat, you yeah. know, to Vince Vaughn in this movie, which is fine. Which What's is fine. number five on your list? Number five for me is a movie that I uh, have always liked throughout the years. It's been, it's been around for about 20 years now. I saw it around the time it came out. Uh, it, it's a fun, I am a sucker for these ensemble rom-com movies where old friends who haven't seen each other come back because there's a, there's an occasion bringing them back together. It, it, it's just something that's happened. It's like the big chill kind of syndrome that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called the best man Got from it. Malcolm Lee. Um, I meant, I meant to watch this on the lead up to doing, to, to formulating this mm-hmm. list on HBO Go. Um, I just I just didn't get around to it. Um, but it was one of those that I I've, that I really meant to meant to see because it got when I was looking up lists of the best wedding movies, this did get bandied around a little bit and several lists had it on there. So. I didn't even realize until recently I forgot. I I knew it it was existed, but I didn't realize until recently this has a sequel. I never never knew that. It, it did well enough to where it's it got a sequel. Best Man's Holiday? Yeah. yeah. That, that's, okay, yeah, that makes that, sense the, now. the sequel to it, but I haven't seen it. But it has a fun... So in the in the late 90s, these actors were blowing up, you would thought. Tay Diggs, yes. Nia Long. Yes. You have um, Morris Chestnut. <laughs> Morris <laughs> Chestnut, too. I mean, we thought Tay Diggs was going to be a really yes. big deal. Yes. We thought Nia Long was primed to become... Oh, the, absolutely. ...the next Halle Berry. I mean, she, yes. was, she was huge, too. I'm a little disappointed she didn't become the next Halle Berry, to be honest. Yeah. She's great. She is great in most um, everything. And Terrence Howard is a pretty big highlight of this yeah, movie. He actually did become a big star, got nominated for an Oscar he and everything. Did. So. Yeah, and he's a part of a pretty successful television show now, too. But, Very. Um, but, you know, this movie has enough chemistry that it, it stuck with me. Solid. Solid. Yeah. Um, okay, well, my number five was Bridesmaids. Actually. Okay, okay. So, um, it's just it's infectious fun. It's it's the it's the film that gave us the rise of Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. She got nominated for an Oscar for best supporting actress for this <laughs> I always movie. forget about that. Pretty much just because she has diarrhea into a sink. Yeah, for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you mentioned earlier, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, their chemistry is really great together. It is. It is. And there's, you know, uh, fun little performances like uh, John Hamm's character, Chris mm. O'Dowd, has a lot yeah, of fun in this he is movie. Pretty fun, and so there's, you know, it it is. It's not as overrated as Wedding Crashers. No, no, even no. though it is a little overrated. But it's um, a better movie. But it it's still a really fun movie. So you it can, is. I don't see how anyone could make this list and not put that movie on there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, because this category is pretty thin. 
It's pretty thin. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, what's number four on your list? Number four for me is Father of the Bride. Same here. Okay. That All right. Well, let's talk f- about Father of the Bride. That is number four on my list, too. We're both really big Steve Martin fans. You even more than me. I think so, which is saying a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because you love him. I do adore the man, yes. And I, I do as I, I, I do adore the man. And this was near the downswing of his... You know, his creative height where he was really yeah. making great movies. Mm-hmm. This is near that very tail end. Um, and there are things about it that are a little cookie cutter. Oh, sure. It's not great and by any means. And it's PG-13. But um, but what it lacks in those departments, um, it is a lot of fun. And it's really charming and sweet. It is. And there's this... There's this there's this great infectious kind of charm to the narration that he has in the movie. Yes. You know? The, those aspects of it are just so warm. and I, The movie is just too nostalgic. Every time I see it, I'm taken back to specific times. Yeah. It's just such a fun movie. Yeah, and, and, and the, the whole, like, the thing with them playing hoops in the driveway. Oh, I know, is just, right? It's one of those things that just kind of warms your heart when during those scenes. Um, the rapport between him and Diane Keaton. Oh, it's great. That's yeah. a lot of fun. And then, and then someone who I'm a humongous fan of, Martin Short. Yes, you are. Kinda, he's a real scene stealer playing the, the Eastern... He goes Europe- for it. <laughs> yeah, he plays the Eastern European wedding planner, and he's just over the top. Um, I, I just am a giant Martin Short fan. Yes, you are. Jiminy yeah. Glick for Way more life. than I am, yeah. Lifetime Jiminy Glick truther. Um, yeah, so, I, I, again, it's another one of those movies that I... I don't know how you could, with a clear conscience, leave this movie off a top six best wedding. Yeah, you tell them, if you're doubting that, go take a look at the list of wedding movies. Yeah, and then tell me that this doesn't belong. Come on. Right, yeah. Come on. Exactly. All right, well, now we're in the the top top half. Top half. This is where stuff starts to get pretty serious. We should really like these movies. (laughs) We ought to. I know I do. I do. What's number three on your list? Number three for me is a movie that, when we were talking off mic earlier today... I was just like, there's no way this is a wedding movie. And you're like, what? This is absolutely a wedding movie. You're crazy. That's ridiculous. And, and, it, and I'm like, whoa, this must be on your list. <laughs> and you're like, it is absolutely on my list. Yeah. And that's Lars von Trier's Melancholia. It's a wedding movie. The whole thing <laughs> takes place on one day, which is her wedding day. It's true. She's wearing a, a, bright, a, 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 a she's wedding wearing gown. a wedding gown movie. on the poster yeah. in the movie throughout the entire movie. It's a freaking wedding there's movie. There's a reception for most of the movie. Yes. <laughs> How is it not a wedding movie? And so I gave in. I think the reason I wasn't thinking it was a wedding movie is because of how depressing it is. And, well, that's just Lars von Trier for you. Well, yeah, it's it's an apocalyptic film, too. So, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, that kind of sometimes can take, can make the wedding take a back seat. Yeah, yeah. So, so the rest so of the I film. kind of just, like, forget about the wedding when mm-hmm. I think about that movie. Well, because there's <laughs> so much else going on that you need to unpack, you uh-huh. know? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great performances. This is by far Kristen Dunst's best performance. Of I agree. Career. You know, yeah. we one of our best friends, Josh Short. Um, this is one of his favorite movies of the decade. And he I had loves, no idea. He loves this movie. I've never talked to him about Von Trier at all. I, I don't know how much Von Trier he's even seen. I just mm-hmm. know that he loves this movie. Okay. Um, and yes, you're right. Dunst is this is the best she's ever been. Um, but there's there's other really solid performances. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- that maybe not to the level that she is. Well, she gets the most to chew on. Yeah. She does. And there's just, 
there's so much haunting imagery as you get with a lot of Lars von Trier's <laughs> movies. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, 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 the cosmic event that is hurtling towards the earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the impending doom. Um, and it keeps cutting back to that every so often throughout the film. And, and that looks awesome the way he shoots it. Um, mm-hmm. the way, well, I don't know if he, the way he shoots it, the way it's rendered, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then, of course, there's the scene where she um, has an affair with, with <laughs> um, in, the, in the sand trap on the golf course mm-hmm. the night of her wedding. Yeah, because this film takes at, place on the night of her wedding. Yeah, after she's just married. Yeah. Um, and that, that's one of those that's tough to shake. From your memory. Absolutely, it is. Uh, yeah, that there are disturbing scenes like that in this movie that are typical to Von Trier movies, but this movie is not as abrasive. No, it's probably his most uh, accessible film as far as general audiences are concerned. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it has, you know, at that time she was a bigger star. Even it had an oh, appealing yeah. star for other people, maybe people who didn't realize much about his career at first to see the movie, which. I don't know how well that went, but I mean, this movie even makes you believe that Kiefer Sutherland, when given a good role, can be yeah. decent. Yes, because yeah. he is good in it. Yeah, he is good in it. Yeah. I don't normally look at Kiefer Sutherland in a, in a movie and go, wow, he's good in that. No, not particularly. <laughs> um, so number three for me is a movie that I, haven't, I hadn't seen in uh, 20 years or more, um, and I rewatched it this week for this list. Mm. And was shocked by how much I really, really enjoyed it. Um, number three for me is Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's unapologetically British. Uh-huh. And um, Hugh Grant is is young and um, trying to be charming and um, d- doing his whole... Uh, um, uh, if, I, if I could, um, uh, <laughs> excuse me, just, just a moment. But um, he's doing that whole thing, you know, the whole time. Um so I can see how it might be a little grating on the nerves for some folks if if you're uh, if you already have a uh, if you're inclined to not enjoy him. But I, I, I mostly like him, mm-hmm. especially that that version of him, that that era of Hugh Grant. Um, it's it's one of those ensemble casts where it's it's him and all his friends, and they they all have distinct sense of sense of humor and personalities. And they're all just exquisitely funny and and um, and charming. And then there's and then there's the Andy McDowell of it all, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And this was when she was she was at the top of her game too. And in her prime, right? I mean, she was yeah. coming off of. Well, I mean, the whole phenomenon of sex lies and videotape happened just a few years before that. But then she started hitting Groundhog Day territory. And yeah. Comedies, like. and, and she's on fire in this movie, and and just the British sense of humor and and the jokes, uh, that that really dry wit is is really well uh, on display. Uh, this the the screenplay, the the story, the dialogue is probably the best thing about this movie. Really, it's really funny. Um, Rowan Atkinson, oh God, uh, is one of the ministers of one of the the four weddings. And he he steals the scene that he's in. He's hilarious. It's it's a really funny movie that earns its emotional beats when the funeral comes along. Um, I just I was surprised by how much I was charmed by this movie. I'm I intrigued. Really loved it because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Basically, yeah. You'll you'll get a lot more out of it as an adult. Watch it again because it's it's a it's a lot of fun. 
Um, but like I said, it's that when it does turn on the the drama mm-hmm. moments, it earns them, okay. and it's it's rewarding. It's a really funny movie that's charming. I I liked it a ton. All right, fair enough. So. I'll seek it out again. Uh, what's number two for you? Number two for me is a movie that has stuck around in my head for a very long time, and I hadn't seen it in a few years. And we were when we were talking about doing this list, I was reminded of it again. I'm like, I really need to watch that again. But I've seen it a couple times. I saw it for the very first time when it came out in 2001. Actually saw it in the theater because of all the rave reviews it was getting at the time. Knew nothing about it. Knew nothing about the director. Um... It is Monsoon Wedding. Oh, I meant to watch this. I yeah. When I was making, when I was looking up lists of you know, of what to 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 get on my radar, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this one was really high on a lot of lists, and I really, really wanted to get to it, even more than than the Best Man. I really wanted to get to this one. I just never got around to it. It 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 comes with rave reviews. It's a very very good movie. Um, uh, I was blown away when I initially saw it. And then I watched it a few years later to be like, did I really like that? You know, it's one of those things like, yeah. does it hold up? And it does. Um, but I haven't seen it in about 10 years. I'd be, I'd be curious to see if it still does hold up. But man, Mira Nair is the director. She would go on to be um, more famous for movies like uh, Whale Rider and um, North Country uh, there was even a movie she did with uh, Reese Witherspoon, Vanity Fair, I believe is the name of the movie, okay. that got some notoriety. She's had some Oscar nominations for for various categories since then. But I just remember this movie as being very kind of a close-knit production, like just very personal stories. It's an, it's an arranged marriage movie. In India. In India. Yeah. So it's, 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 um, that alone could create, you know, when you're dealing with certain characters and families. Yeah creates a lot of um, intersecting kind of um, differences and, 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 and conflicts. And, and this movie deals with it very well. And it's very breezy, fun, hilarious at times, but also personal movie. It looks beautiful from the screenshots that, mm-hmm. I, that I've, yeah, that I've it's seen. It's very well made. <clears throat> it, is. it is. Well, number two on my list is actually Melancholia. Okay. Okay. Um, I figured it would be <clears throat> on your list. We we talked enough about it already that I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into detail, but um, but man, this movie really really stuck with me. Uh, it's it's one of Von Trier's most beautiful looking films. I agree. You know, and you can tell that the, a lot of money was put into it, um, not just because it's a wedding movie. So like you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. every all the costumes are nice and the sets are nice because it's a fancy a very rich family's wedding. It's a beautiful setting. Yeah. Yeah. But you know just. It's, it's she's going through a crisis of conscience and and at the same time that the world is just about coming to an end there's a big apocalyptic you know uh, uh, cosmic event that is about to wipe out all of all of human life it's one of those real like th- re- cerebral things that that uh, that Lars von Trier is trying to really lay really heavy on you he you does know? he does he accomplishes that in that you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, problems on um, the surface and what's going on just in the circle of of the wedding itself and the people at the wedding and and and, and, and other people uh, trying to interject in in what's going on and, and none of it really matters no because not in the end none of it really matters but 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 they really think it does yeah um, there's an interesting aspect to that 
whole perspective of the movie. And the performances are all just really, really top notch. Really top notch. And, and he's clearly not an easy director to work with. I mean, no. he puts you through the ringer, and these these all of these actors are up for the task. Sure, in, in and most of them get put through the ringer. Yeah, Charlotte Gainsbourg, what a trooper. She'll do anything he asks yeah. her to do. She really will. <laughs> She'll do anything he asks her to do. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the middle of a trilogy of films that she worked on him with um, between Antichrist and Nymphomaniac. Yeah. But, man. She's tremendous. It's a terrific movie. It is um, Dunst's movie, though. We, we've gotten to the point where I think it's pretty obvious that we both have the same number one. It's It was number one uh, going into it for me, and I assumed it was going to be your number one. Yeah. And here we are. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that Rachel getting married is your number one as well as mine. Absolutely. That's what yeah. I thought. I've championed this movie for quite a long time. You were the reason that I ever watched it. Really? To you, begin you, with. You didn't... It was one of those movies where you were like, eh, just yeah. doesn't look great. And you just, it was among your top of that year. Oh, yeah. And you insisted high that over year. and over and over that I watch it. So I, I went ahead and watched it that year. I think it's a tremendous piece of work. I really do. And it, it, it's directed by Jonathan Demi and in a way that this kind of story is kind of a typical story when it comes to family dramas. But sure. in, a, in other hands, it might have been dealt with. You know, it's kind of very straightforward. But there's a way, there's a rawness to the way Jonathan Demi directs this movie. He's almost orchestrating the whole thing. Um, He is on the ground floor with the characters. You kind of feel him walking through the the houses and the backyards and the front yards and the in the rehab clinic or the AA meetings and the there in the balconies and with the characters. He's there. The entire time. And it's like, and that sign seems kind of silly. Most directors are on, you know, they're there. But yeah, yeah. you never have the feeling that Jonathan Demi is sitting back in a director's chair pointing fingers. He has this very workmanlike quality about him. Um, you know, and I think that this movie has more in common with his concert movies than it does with his big, big Silence of the Lambs and Philadelphia movies. This has more in common with Talking Heads' uh, Stop Making Sense documentary. Yeah. Um, or his Neil Young concert films like Heart of Gold and Trunk Show than it does with his actual narrative movies. Uh, and he kind of directs this movie in that way. It's like a journeyman style, almost throw the nar- narrative out the window kind of way of making and, a movie. And let's focus on the characters. It's a character study. Very much so. And yes. for that reason, that's why Anne Hathaway has literally never been better. She's electrifying in this movie. And she's incredible in this film. And and uh, not only is she so amazing in it, and, and it's a testament to how good he is at working with actors, but we get actors um, in this film that, that either have never been in films before or... Mm-hmm. Or are very new at it. Oh yeah, like uh, Bill Irwin, who plays her father, who is tremendous. Who is, might be the best part of the f- the film. You could argue that. Yes. And, and then um, TV on the radios. Tunde Adabempe. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. tremendous in this movie. Also, yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets something out of each actor in this movie, including Rosemary DeWitt, who's great as as Rachel's it's her sister. No, she is Rachel. Yeah, she's yeah. the one getting married. Yeah, and um, she's Anne Hathaway's sister in this movie. And uh, uh, she has a very difficult role. Um, and we know Ra- Rosemary DeWitt now is just a reliably good actress. Almost but back effortless. then, yeah. back then it was like, ooh, who is this? Mm-hmm. She's really good in this. Yeah. 
Um, she she holds her own. But this was Anne Hathaway's movie, and, and Demi must have saw something in her um, because what she was doing before this was, you know, nothing. The Princess Diaries. Outstanding. She had been in Brokeback Mountain before this, but in a very small, small role. Small role, yeah. She was in big movies, but she Demi must have saw something else in her. Like, I can extract something out of her. Okay, well, we've come to my favorite part of the show, the throwback challenge. On last week's show, uh, Andy uh, charged me with watching Ingmar Bergman's Cries and Whispers. It would be my first foray into the oeuvre of Ingmar Bergman. And I gave him um, the Australian wedding comedy Muriel's Wedding um, just to get all primed for this this wedding-themed episode we had today. So we're going to start with you, as always. Tell me what you thought of Muriel's Wedding. I was really happy you gave me this because I've been wanting to see it for a very long time. Um, it, 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 it was a good way to ease into the pick six. Um, obviously, it didn't make my list uh, because I don't love the movie. Um, I do like it, though. Uh, I think this, this um, is a nice look at where Tony Collette kind of emerged yeah um she's very good in this movie she she's the main reason the movie held its head above water for me i i I like the movie i think there's a little too much going on for me um there's some cons but there's a lot of pros too i I love her chemistry with rachel griffiths in this movie um yeah uh overall i really enjoy like the premise of this movie uh which is it's dancing all over the place sure is uh, um and she's kind of a a girl who gets picked on and is get looks down on looked down on by a lot of people in her hometown uh she, her self-esteem gets a big hit taken to it uh, but she it, it this movie is also about loving yourself and rising you know up above that and um I do enjoy that aspect of it there's also a very kind of like, uh, you know, um, dual life <laughs> role to the movie. Oh, too. totally. Oh, totally. Which is a very interesting uh, direction this movie takes. Yeah, see, I'm obviously a lot higher on it than you are because yeah, yeah. I, I actually really like this movie. And the reason I like it so much is because of how original it is. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly... I didn't put it on my list just because I knew we were going to be talking about it and I didn't want to talk about it twice because I think it's better than probably the bottom half of my, of my six. Sure. Um, I, I just, it's so original that it's this girl who gets picked on mercilessly because she's a little bit overweight and she doesn't dress as cool as the, uh, as the cool girls in town, the town she lives in called porpoise spit Australia. <laughs> um, and, and so she, steals money from her family and goes on vacation and meets Rachel Griffith's character. Um, and my girlfriend is, a, is her favorite show of all time is six feet under mm-hmm. and Rachel Griffiths plays Brenda on that show. And yeah. so that was a, that was a big kick for us. Um, and, and so she, she meets Rachel Griffiths character. They become best friends. She then moves to Sydney even though everyone's looking for her because of all the money she stole. <laughs> and then she reinvent, reinvents herself there. And then somehow she gets, she, she gets herself into a situation where she's um, agreed to marry an Olympic swimmer from South Africa who needs 
to find an Australian woman to marry him so that he can compete for Australia in the Olympics. That's fascinating. Um, And it's just, I I give the movie extra points for being so original. Like, this is a screenplay that that you couldn't just come up with. Well, someone did, but, you know, it's it's so... It's so out of the blue. It's so out of left field that um, if you were just reading the screenplay, you'd say, oh, "I gotta make this movie. Someone better greenlight this movie. It's so original," and it's it's definitely far more original than the Wedding Crashers and Bridesmaids and even Father of the Brides. Oh yeah, absolutely uh, of the world, you know. And that's why I give it extra points uh, for that. And then on top of it, like you said, Tony Collette is just magical in this movie. She's so very very funny. And when she needs to be, she hits all the dramatic points. She's really always been good well. at that. She's really? always been good at that, and exactly. obviously from the beginning. Yeah. I guess the only reason I have this movie a little bit on a notch below you is is just that I felt like there's this whole it's teetering between a fantastical world and and, and a realistic world, and and the fantastical part of it didn't hit for me mostly be, and only mostly because of the supporting characters. Yeah. You know, Australian comedies from around that era, from mm. the 90s, mid-90s and late 90s, um, were very much like that. Movies like The Castle and, and, and other Australian comedies mm-hmm. from that. It was, they were always big ensembles where most of the characters were wild and just out, really out there and over the top. And I think that's just a very Australian 90s comedy thing that... You either have to buy in or not. I'd be all on board with that because Tony Collette and Rachel Griffiths killed it. But there's just the characters of like the bullies that that she has just didn't hit it for me. I don't blame you, but I I still like this movie. I give it a three. Well, on on, for my end, I had my (laughs) first experience with Ingmar Bergman's Cries and Whispers. A little bit of a different movie. I was gonna say Cries and Whispers is about as far from Muriel's wedding as you can possibly Mm, get. Kind of, yeah. The only thing that would be Further from it would be, say, Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Full circle. Cries and Whispers uh, centers around three sisters, um, Agnes, Karen, and Maria, and their their housekeeper slash maid or whatever you want to call her, um, uh, Anne. Um, And Agnes is slowly dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. And her sisters, Karen and Maria... um, aren't exactly in a, in a physical or an emotional state to be able to to really tend to her the way she she needs to they're also not in, in they're also kind of shitty self-absorbed people? yeah yeah they're, they're they're not in that way they're not capable yeah. of helping her sure <laughs> yeah. and so this is a real slow burn of a film as slow burn as you can get at 90 something minutes mm-hmm. um and this thing is exquisite looking uh, Bergman's direction is just out of this world. Um, you know, first and foremost, the most obvious thing is his use of red. Mm-hmm. The first half of the film is just, you know, backdrops that are saturated in red, red, red velvet furniture, um, wallpaper, all of the um, the the washes that he uses as transitions. Oh, beautiful between each woman's visions or or their point of view. Um, that that's a staple throughout the film, and it's a really beautiful way to transition from scene to scene. Um, it, it's it's a masterwork in directing, especially pacing and directing and storytelling. The way that he tells the story, with where you know you'll get um, things from one woman's perspective, and then the red wash, and mm-hmm. then you'll hear another part of of the tale from another woman's perspective. 
Um, and you see her face before we hear her part of the story, you know. It's just, it's gorgeous. And one of the things that makes it so gorgeous is the performances by the, the four leading actresses. Amazing. Man, all four of them are remarkable in different ways because they're drastically different characters. They are, yes. You know, uh, Agnes is dying, and we see so much of her revealed just through the pain that she's going through. And Anne is taking care of, care of her, and we see so much of her character just through the devotion she has to the woman that she's charged with taking care of. And Karen is is a is suicidal and very, very depressed. And you can see why, because she's married to a horrible man. Um, and Maria is um, so self-absorbed and, um, you know, just, just a frivolous woman, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's it's they're they're vastly different characters, but they're played so so well by the four different actresses. Tremendous, and, yes. And that's before you even get into the the three male roles, who are very very minor. This this whole movie is really the four women. Mm-hmm. Um, minor, and, but very important to the story. They're ex- minor intentionally. Yeah, they're extremely important to the story, but minor intentionally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some shocking scenes. <laughs> um, there's the scene where Karen's character. Uh, breaks a piece of glass at dinner and takes it into her changing room with her where she inserts it inside of her genitals mm-hmm. so that when her husband comes to bed, she's she's bleeding all over the bed for him to see. And um, that that's just a really jarring, jarring scene. And then the film gets even weirder from there. It does. Where Agnes has been dead for th- a couple of days yeah. and mm-hmm. comes back to life to talk to her family and wants them to be back at her bedside and they're terrified and only Anne will come and console her. It's just, it's bananas. I think that's clearly a representation of how she's haunting them at the moment. Exactly. And it's, that is, when that happens, that really kicks something into another gear. Yeah, there's so much of it that you, you can't tell, is this really happening or is this imagined you know, is this a dream? Is this this character's dream? Is that Anne's dream while she's taking care of her? Enough? Yeah. And she yeah. just wishes she was still alive. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, yeah. um, a lot of it's left open ended, but this is a beautiful, beautiful film. I'm glad you thought so. And I felt like hopefully you see why I thought this was a good introduction to him, because it's a it's an extremely contra- confrontational movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it forces you to sit there wide eyed and watch the deterioration of not just a person's health but um the deterioration of a of an overall family yeah um and, and just individual people uh this is this is an amazing piece of work in my opinion yeah it's at least four and a half stars for me yeah and of course i'm i'm in a perfect five on it and i don't blame always you. have been yeah. i don't blame you yeah um, so let's discuss our throwback challenges for next week. Yes. We have another listener commissioned throwback challenge, and this one is a big one because it comes from my mother. Yes. <laughs> my mother writes, my throwback challenge to the two of you are two Academy Award winning movies, both from the year 1975, and they couldn't be more different. The first one is Shampoo. You don't see a lot of hair washing going on, but it does give your head something to think about as far as morals, commitments, responsibilities, and then there's that whole Nixon thingy. (laughs) 
Lots of big stars such as Warren Beatty, who co-wrote the story. Cute as a Button Goldie Hawn, Julie Christie, Lee Grant, and little Carrie Fisher made her film debut. The second film is another big stealer of Academy Awards that year. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, with one big star, Jack Nicholson. There are other good actors making their film debuts who went on to become big stars, but the movie is really all about Nicholson, who steals the show. So, okay, you two, fight it out. Pick one each, and I'll be listening for your review. So that comes from my mother, Donna, um, from here in Indianapolis. Um, so take it away. Yes. After I read this and sent it to you, <clears throat> I... Um, you had immediately sent me a message back saying you have not seen either movie. Mm-hmm. So that was very easy for me to say, well, you're watching one flew over the cuckoo's nest because well, you just have to see it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to see both films and I'm, yeah, and I yeah. probably, I'm going to try and fit in shampoo as well, just for the purpose of the, of the conversation. Sure. Yeah. But, um, but I, I'm glad that you chose One Flew Over for me because you have to see it. that's what I would have gravitated towards anyhow. It's just, it's essential viewing. I owned a copy of the DVD for years and years and never watched yeah? it. Yeah, really? I don't know where it went, but... All right, um, all right. Well, know. this is the perfect excuse. Yeah. That's what I love about this show and this segment. Gives us plenty of good excuses to finally see movies that have been gathering dust on our shelves. And you know what? Long. My mother didn't know this when she picked these movies, but we, you know, we've been talking off and on about trying to get me more into '70s film. Yeah. Not that I'm not into it. Right. I just it's a big glaring hole in my in my cinema filmography. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she didn't know that. Just happened to be serendipitous. Perfect timing that she chose. Especially these. after we just talked about yeah. cries and whispers. So this yeah. is perfect. So I I will take in one flew over. I will gladly rewatch Shampoo because it's been a very very long time. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, that's our show for today. Remember to subscribe to the Film Harmonic on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and a generous rating if you're so inclined. Subscribe also on Spotify, Buzzsprout, Amazon Alexa, and Google Play. Send us your suggestions, as my mother did, for the throwback challenge to thefilmharmonic at gmail.com. Join us on the next episode when Andy and I take our mothers separately to see The Art of Racing in the Rain. Moms love Milo Ventimiglia. And dogs. <laughs> and in honor of school being back in session, we're ranking the six best school-themed films of all time. That includes college. So back-to-school movies. Um, so add all of that to our newest listener commission throwback challenges, and it would appear that we have lots to look forward to. So we will see you next time on the Film Harmonic. See you next time. My guy pretty like a girl And he got five stories to tell I see both sides like Chanel See on both sides like Chanel Swimming laps through pool water He didn't like I'm underworld Had my tattoos in Shibuya Police think I'm of the underworld Twelve treat a nigga like he twelve How you looking up to me and talking down Can't you see I am the big man God level I am the I am I film it with the drone cam and the pink like killer cam. Zoom on that stick, no way. I'm so close, I'm on that kill. Controller on your lower back, yeah, that's the good. Dick will roll the eyes back in the skull. Rolling when you ride, popping. Rolling when you ride, ride to ride. Got one. Street acting, turned up like some dirty plastic vibes. 2016 burn some discs. 2017 ideas playing off the Walgreens. This a cult, not a click on the net. With a cup, in a cup, activist. That's a double edge, it's a knife. 
And I don't like to fight till I'm fighting. Revenge in the air makes my lungs sick. Chopper in the sky like a gun trick. Clips on clips like Mike. It's really all. See both sides like Chanel. See on both sides like Chanel. It's really you on my mind. It's really you on my mind. It's really you. It's really you on my mind. Need both sides of the 12. Need both sides of the L. Free smoke rings in their hell. Sleet snow grind for the well. Whole team diamonds is real. Show them how to shine by themselves. You need a co-sign for your hell. I need that bitch to grind on my belt. I know you need to drive for my belt. I know you seen it drive in itself. No my black on the ride cause it's stale. But it's stale. I see both sides like Chanel. I Amazing